Welcome to the City Hill Podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. So what I'm going to do this week is I'm going to talk about the passage we looked at last week and do the exact same thing, but completely different. So sometimes you grab something and you see something one way, but then you can flip it another way. So we're looking at Mark chapter 2 again, and I'm going to read the same passage we read last week, but I want to focus in on something a little bit different. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, he said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven or to say, rise up, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise up, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose immediately, picked up his bed and went out before them all. So they were amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Now, last week when we talked about these same verses, the key thing we were talking about is we were talking about the fact that this man was repositioned. We were talking about how this man was carried, how that he would have been probably not very close to this location, that most of the begging that took place in their society were around religious sites, that were around um, synagogues, uh, their version of churches, and that he would have been outside begging, hoping for religious people to come his way. He gets repositioned because no one's coming his way that time because everyone's not at the synagogue. Everyone is literally at the home where Jesus is staying, so much so that when they finally get him there and they carry him there, that he is repositioned. So he gets repositioned in a few places. He gets repositioned from where he originally was and gets carried all the way to the house. When he's outside the house, the house is too full that they can't get in, that he gets repositioned onto the roof. When he gets repositioned onto the roof, He gets lowered in through the roof and he's repositioned again. And now all eyes are on him and it would have been slightly awkward. But that's all kind of like the geographical and the physical being repositioned. And we talked last week about maybe there are some friends that we have. Maybe we feel stuck like the paralytic and we need to have people around us who can carry us to Jesus. And maybe there are people in our lives around us who we need to carry to Jesus. And then today what I want to do is I want to talk about a very different type of repositioning, but actually a more significant type of repositioning and probably the greatest repositioning in this story. And it's not about the man receiving his legs. It it comes down to just five words. It comes down to five words. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus repositions him twice in five words he takes someone who's a part of a nation known as Israel and Israel known as the children of God and this man would have been on the fringes of their society he'd have been felt like he wasn't completely included he would have felt like he wasn't quite 
Um, things weren't quite as accessible to him as they were to other people. He would have felt like maybe a doubt over his head, the way people saw him and stigmatized him, the way that they saw sin, the way that sin was portrayed in their society, that if you had a disability like this, then you weren't good enough, you were a sinner, and you were seen as somehow less than everyone else. And what Jesus does, and I mean, so often now when we talk about things, we always talk about our sins being forgiven and then becoming sons or daughters. But what Jesus does with this man is as soon as he sees the faith, as soon as he sees the desire in this man's heart to be repositioned, Jesus does something so significant for him that offends everyone in the room. He says, son, your sins are forgiven. Son, your sins are forgiven. He got carried a long way by those four men that carried him there but no one could carry him as far as Jesus was going to carry him in one single word at the beginning of that sentence. When Jesus speaks to him, he hasn't said to him, I want you to go through a 21 step program. I want you to go through seven keys to this, or there's three of these to do or 10 of those to do. He just speaks in one word, which moves him completely from where he is all the way from being on the outside to being You cannot be more central than a son. Jesus doesn't say to him, long lost step cousin or long lost second cousin or uncle or auntie. He doesn't say in-law. He doesn't say outlaw. He doesn't say step this, step that. He says son. He speaks directly to him and pulls him right to the absolute center of everything. The idea that God could see this man being lowered in through the roof, a humiliating situation, where he couldn't walk in the door. He couldn't come in the door like everyone else. He had to be lowered in through a ceiling. And, and Jesus just looks at him and calls him son. He calls him son. I mean, it may have put everyone else on edge, but I'm sure it helped this man rest and find his place. Son, and your sins are forgiven. So he went from the outside to as far and as close to the center of everything in one word. And then the next four words... He was going to let him know that his sins were forgiven. Now, the reason why I believe you have to say things this way around in this instance, and maybe in, should do in almost every instance, is this. Sometimes it's hard to believe your sins are forgiven. It's hard to believe your sins are forgiven. Anyone who tells me otherwise, I, I don't think they're being sincere. It's hard to believe that your sins are forgiven. It's not as hard to believe when you're the son. It's not as hard to believe when you're the daughter. Right. So if I wrong someone and I sit down with them and I'm saying to them, I'm sorry, I've done this. I'm really sorry. Can you forgive me? Getting that reconciliation, getting that relationship back on track and on level is a difficult thing to do. Humanly speaking, the easiest relationship where that happens is as the son and as the daughter. Do you know how many times I've had to sit down with my parents and say something that I've done that is completely just soul destroying? That I'm standing there with my parents and I'm telling them about my failures. I'm telling them about the things that I've done. And the look in their eye doesn't change. It doesn't change because I'm their kid. I'm their son. So this, this guy being lowered in the roof, this guy who's been treated as an outcast, whether his entire life or for a large part of his life, is lowered in. And Jesus speaks straight past it and brings him straight into the family. And he calls him his son. He calls him son. Son of God. One of God's kids. And then he says, your sins are forgiven. Now, the people there... Instead of looking on and seeing, oh my days, what a beautiful moment. This guy is being brought straight into the fold. This guy's being brought straight into the family. They're looking at this guy and all they can think about is, who does this guy think he is to, to forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus goes and shows them through this beautiful act. 
five words, son, your sins are forgiven. Far outside as you can be to as central to the inner circle as possible. Now, Jesus came with one real goal, one real goal. You can look at it different ways, but it all comes down to this. And we can read it in John chapter one, verse nine. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood. Didn't matter what tribe you were from. It didn't matter what your descendant, your ancestry was. Didn't matter any of those things. None of those things mattered in this moment. You weren't born of blood. It wasn't about your ancestry. It wasn't about the people group you belonged to or what football club you supported. Nor of the will of the flesh. It wasn't because two people had a moment that got heated and it happened. Nor of the will of man. It wasn't because some... A couple got together and said, you know what, let's, let's start planning, let's start trying to have a child. No, 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 no. They weren't born from any of these things. Not from the will of man, but of God. They were of God. They were born of God. And this is why the Bible talks about being born again to a living hope. This is why a few weeks back when we were talking about Peter and Jesus said, who do people say that I am? And they said, some say John the Baptist, some say... Um, Elijah, some say one of the prophets, all of those things. But then Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, the son of the living God. And in that moment, he turns to him and he does something very distinct. But when you know Jesus' mission and his purpose, it makes perfect sense, is he talks to Peter about his ancestry. He goes, Simon Bar-Jonah. Simon, son of Jonah, son of Jonah. You didn't receive this from your dad. You didn't receive this from that lineage. You didn't receive this being born of the blood. You received this from who? My father revealed this to you. So he sees it and he goes, and on this rock, I will build my church. He will build his church upon the kids coming home. He'll build his church on them receiving their true parentage when they come and they receive Jesus. It says in this passage, as many as receive him who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. The right. And in that moment with Peter, he's asking him, who do they say that I am? They say you're all these kinds of things. And he's like, okay, cool, I'm these kinds of things. Then he says to him, but who do, you, who do you say that I am? And Peter's confession is, I fully receive Jesus and I believe in his name. He says, you, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And in that moment, Jesus makes that point of his ancestry and then lets him know about a father who's truly revealing this to him. He gave them the right to become children of God who were not born of blood, tribe, or the will of the flesh, or the will of man, but they were born of God. And then Jesus again, the disciples with Jesus and in Luke 11 and he was praying and now Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he finished one of the disciples said to him Lord teach us to pray as John taught his disciples they're saying Lord all the other rabbis are teaching their disciples how to pray don't you think it's about time that you did your job properly Jesus don't you think it's about time that you teach us how to pray as well and then Jesus said to them this when you pray say Father Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. 
Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. That's all it says in Luke. It's that short. It's that succinct. And what do you see in that passage? You see in that passage the same thing Jesus did when he initiated the conversation in the other way. Son, your sins are forgiven. So we say prayer and we talk about prayer being a conversation and talking to God. Well, I believe this morning on Father's Day that God wanted to initiate the conversation in the same way that Jesus initiates the conversation in this passage. And I believe that God wanted to reposition every single one of us to know that we're his children. And he wanted to say, son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. You're forgiven. You're whole. You're my kid. You're not on the outside. You're not on the fringes. You're right in the center. You're not a second afterthought for me. You're not existing for any other reason than you being born of me. You are born of me. You are born to a living hope. You are born to be a child of the king. But you could be going like, yeah, but God, I, I, stack, I stack shelves in the supermarket. Not even the daytime when people are around. They put me on the night duty because no one wants to see me. They hide me away. You're my kid. You're my son. You're my daughter. But God, I just do this kind of admin role. God, I just do this. God, I just do that. Whether you think what you do is exciting, whether you don't think it's exciting, none of it matters. He just reaches into the outside and he says, son, daughter, you are mine and your sins are forgiven and you are whole. Daddy, daddy, you've got it. You heard it. No one knows. No one knows. That's what this is about. And this morning, we can take a moment and we can say, God, thank you for the male role models I've had in my life that have done a good job. Thank you, God, for the father I had physically that was there for me. Or or thank you for, we can thank God for so many different elements. We can thank God for so many different things about the father figures we've had, about the men that we've had in our lives. But actually today is about one thing and one thing only. This Father's Day is completely about the fact that God came on Jeremy Kyle and said, that's my kid, that's my kid, that's my kid, that's my kid. Everyone else runs away. God runs to naming you and calling you. And this morning, God came to our church because he wanted to walk around the room going, my son, my daughter, my daughter, my daughter, my son, my son, my son, my son, my daughter, my daughter, my daughter. He didn't miss anybody out. And he made a declaration over us that our sins were forgiven because his son was going to come and that that was his entire mission, that he, as many as received him and believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God who weren't born from any other means than from God himself and when Jesus taught his disciples how they were to engage with God how they were to talk with him that the first thing he said is just as he declared to the paralytic son your sins are forgiven he declared to you and I that we don't come to God building up some hype talk we don't come to God building up some long way around the houses to get confident enough he says we walk straight to God and we say father we walk straight to him and we say dad we walk straight in And we talk to him in that way. We don't talk to him in a way that he's distant because Jesus didn't come and die on a cross and suffer all the things he suffered that you would be on the outside looking in. He suffered all of that so that you would be on the inside, in the central place, among the family. I'm going to pray for us today. Father God, I thank you. I thank you, God, that you want to reposition every single person at City Hill. For some of us, we may have done the Christian thing and we say, you know what, I've been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. But you know what, even the guys that buy the t-shirt, the t-shirts get faded from time to time and they start to lose their traction. But we should never lose the wonder of the fact that you call us son, that you call us daughter. We should never lose the fact that the only true son of God came and died on a cross that we could be just as valid as he is. 
in God's eyes, that we can be his children, that no longer what tribe we come from, the blood we have that matters, it's no longer the desire of individuals or the plan that they make, but of the plan that God made in his son. And Father, today as we come to celebrate Father's Day, we come to you knowing that you are the good father. You are a good God and we just say to you in the way that Jesus taught us to, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come in all of us. Give us today, Lord, our daily bread, everything we need. And would you forgive us our sins, Father, as we ourselves follow you in forgiving those who have wronged us. And Lord, please lead us into temptation, but deliver us, Lord. For yours is the glory and the kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Guys, Please, 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 please. So last week we talked about four men carrying someone who felt stuck. If today you feel stuck in your parentage, don't leave today without maybe saying to someone, I feel a bit stuck. Could you carry me to my father? Could you carry me to see Jesus? Because Jesus is going to speak when he sees you and he's going to speak and he's going to say, son, daughter, you're forgiven. Don't leave confused today. It's not about um, an intellectual understanding, but I know that God wants to declare it over anyone. If there's anyone that needs prayer or wants prayer, please just ask. Anyone can pray for anyone here. That's, not, that's how we are. There's no like, you don't need me to pray for you. If you want me to, I'm happy to pray for you, but anyone can pray for anyone. And just don't leave today if you've got doubts about your parentage because it's Father's Day. And there'll be nothing more tragic than leaving today not realizing you really are his daughter. You really are his son. Because otherwise we make a mockery of the cross because he died that we would be his kids. He rose again that we will forever be in the house with him. So please do not leave today without that. We really hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. We are the light, we are the light. We are the light, we are the light.